Napa Rockfest has partnered with Rugged Rosaries for another giveaway. Nine rosaries will be given away, one each week, leading up to the concert on September 14th. These rosaries are beautiful and extremely rugged. The quality is unmatched. For a chance to win, simply like Built Upon a Rockfest posts on Facebook and Instagram. Each like gets you a chance to win. Full giveaway details can be found at BuiltUponArockFest.com. Good luck, and don't forget to mark your calendars for Built Upon a Rockfest on September 14th. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering a high level of care. We're pro-life and pro-family, so we respect all human dignity while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from Mystic Monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer clinical services, including immunizations and individualized medication packaging. Mayo Pharmacy is located at 303 North 4th Street in Bismarck. Our number is 701-223-2424. The Real Presence Radio Fall Live Drive is coming September 18th, 19th, and 20th. Tune in from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for an amazing lineup of hosts and guests that will inspire, motivate, and move you to evangelize the Catholic faith. Our goal is to raise $600,000, and we know we can do it with your faithful support. Mark your calendar and call in to Real Presence Radio, 877-795-0122. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus mystic monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, first communion, and confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Event Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Okay, thank you to all of those who uh, called in or uh, sent in a Facebook question for Father Will Slattery. And uh, just a reminder that this segment... uh, with the uh, Straight Talk is on 9.30 Central Time every Monday through Friday on uh, Real Presence Live. Uh, up next for the remainder of our program today, we're, we will discover some ethical concerns about artificial reproductive technology with Chris Motes, who's on the line with us. He is from the South Dakota Catholic Conference. And later in the show, we'll hear about some fun events on our 10-minute tour and We are broadcasting live today from Rosewood on Broadway in Fargo, North Dakota. And I'm Jack Kennelly, along with my wife, Doreen. We are your hosts for today, so stay tuned, and uh, we will bring Chris up. And uh, Doreen, you can introduce him. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Live. We're so um, excited to hear what you have to teach us today in this area of 
major ethical concerns when it comes to artificial reproduction technology like egg harvesting, sperm donation, and surrogacy. A lot of Catholics um, are misinformed thinking that those are pro-life answers to um, difficult situations. Um, so, Chris, um, we'll start diving into this um, uh, right now. If you'd like to begin by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, the, um, so I'm the executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, which is an organization that, that works for both uh, Catholic bishops of South Dakota. We have two dioceses in our state, and it serves as a resource to those working in government that are interested in what uh, the Church has to say about uh, various uh, policies and laws. It also serves as a resource uh, to Catholics themselves. They're really wanting to, to live as, as faithful citizens, thinking through how the, the faith applies to matters of public policy. So a very important mission to inform those who are interested but outside of uh, the Catholic Church and the beautiful influence our church can have on the general culture. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and it, you know, I, I think I, I won't be the first person that, that has noticed that there seems to be just, uh, sometimes we can wonder, like, is there any firm ground to stand on as the world is constantly changing and it, and it seems like things are changing at a, uh, a more and more rapid pace? So it's, it's really a great joy to just bear forth the gift of the faith, which is really stable ground to stand on. Um, you know, in my interactions, even with non-Catholic citizens, with Protestants, with non-Christians, it's, it's really like a, a breath of fresh air to many people to just um, to see that the, the Church really has thought through many difficult issues very deeply. Um, of course, she's, she's committed to just reason in, in her thoughts, and, and that's, that's, like, encouraging for people because it's, it's intelligible, right? Like, it's accessible to everybody. Exactly. And we all want to be standing on solid ground. <laughs> um, so um, let's begin with some specific uh, topics. Uh, a, a very difficult one is the idea of artificial reproductive technology, which would be in vitro fertilization, and I think artificial insemination would be another one. So um, could you explain just briefly what we're referring to and also um, what the Church teaches and maybe a little background on, on, to help us understand why the Church teaches what she teaches? Sure. Well, artificial reproductive technology would just be a phrase that encompasses uh, any technological means, so any, any artificial man-made means that separate the marital act from the reproductive act, meaning um, love making between two spouses. When we separate procreation from that act, um, the, the church would say that that's wrong; that it's um, that it's immoral to do so. Um, the, the church situates this discussion of artificial reproductive technology in the catechism in its beautiful section. Uh, on marriage, and it begins with just a, a recitation of, of, of one of the deepest purposes of marriage is to cooperate mm. in God's love, to cooperate with God, uh, to cooperate with the order of uh, that's inherent in our human nature. 
So when we look at different types of uh, artificial reproductive technology, they're run precisely because they, they usurp that role of cooperation with God and put ourselves uh, in his place. Um, and oftentimes, as you pointed out, this, is, this can be a bit difficult just because we think like, oh, cre- you know, creation of life is always, is always good. And it, it's true that every life is good, right? But mm-hmm. it's, it's not right to say that every means, every possible means, of creating life uh, is good. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not the case, um, because some means just ignore the order of our, uh, of our very humanity that God gave yeah. us. Yeah, it, it seems to me that the uh, artificial reproductive technologies really kind of, uh, I think, feeds the, the idea of uh, children as products. That's exactly you know, right. When you think of the claims that some of the various uh, uh, fertilization clinics or whatever they're called, you know, uh, what they claim that they, they, they can do for you and what kind of child that they will produce for you. And so the idea of children as gifts kind of gets shunted off to the side and then they become products, which really has a, a, a larger effect on just how we view the, her- the human person. Which in, in a very damaging way. That's right, and that that's a deep, deep truth that um, that, we, that we know as a matter of faith. But it's also a truth that's really accessible to people outside the faith. You know, the word that's used you use the word product. Another word that's often used is commodification mm-hmm. when we treat people like commodities. And so I was on the um, I was on the phone a couple weeks ago with a lady. Uh, I don't think she's Catholic. She. Uh, lives in Minnesota, and she's the director of a, um, a human trafficking nonprofit. So she's fighting against human trafficking, sex trafficking. She's very concerned with the protection of women. And um, I wanted to visit with her about surrogacy because I understood uh, from a friend that she was opposed to commercial surrogacy. And so I was on the phone with her, and she said, yeah, it's, it's true, Chris. I'm very opposed to commercial surrogacy, but... but um, since you, you heard of me, I've also, I've changed my position. I said, oh, really? Tell, you know, tell me more. She says, I'm now also opposed to what they call altruistic surrogacy, meaning uh, an arrangement in which there's no exchange of funds. I said, oh, really? You know, that's, uh, that's great. We're, we're agreed on that. What brought you to that position? She said, I really just came to see that even though there's not an exchange of money, it's still treating the woman and the child like like products, like like they're just being used, not right. not as uh, not as engine of themselves. What a beautiful realization on her part, and it's someone led her to truth in that, and in her heart resonated with that truth. What a great example! Um, it the other the other part of it is um, the opposite of them being a product or a commodity is it the truth that life is a gift and it's not something to be lusted after or or um, grabbed at but rather that we receive the gift of life yes. that, that's right you know and that's um, that's a, a point that the church really draws out uh, in the catechism too that it's like uh, it, it would be wrong to conceive as a, of a child as, a, as something I'm entitled 
do. Rather, children are always to be received as gifts. Yes. Um, yeah. So, it, and one of one of the obvious difficulties or or sources of pain that often comes up, and I think is worth um, just naming, is is infertility. You know, couple couples that 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 bear this um, that, that are that can't conceive. Uh, of their own, we, I mean, we just got to recognize, and the church does recognize, really names it in the catechism, like, this is this is truly a suffering. Um, and we can even think back to Genesis uh, of, who is it, uh, Rachel cries out, mm. I, you know, give me your child or I will die. Like, mm-hmm. we can just, like, feel her pain, can't mm-hmm. we? Yes, absolutely. The, the thing that the thing that the church teaches that just fills me with such inspiration and hope is that even in the midst of the suffering, like we're called to, we're called to greatness in a radical way. Mm. So in the midst of pain and suffering, um, this is I'm just going to quote real briefly from the Catechism. It says, um, "People who bear the suffering should unite themselves with the Lord's cross, which is the source of all spiritual fecundity." So all, all spiritual fruitfulness, mm-hmm. and they can get expression of their generosity because that's really what's what's there in the heart is like a desire to give, mm-hmm. to give love. They they can give expression to this generosity through adoption or performing uh, demanding services for others. So there's really um, the church recognizes that this is this is painful, but calls us on to virtue and holiness even in in that experience. Well, this this is a great discussion, but I I want to just interject right now that uh, for those who have just uh, tuned in, that uh, you're listening to Real Presence Live. Uh, I'm Jack Kennelly and my wife Doreen. We are your hosts for today. Our guest is is Chris Motes from the uh, the diocese from the South Dakota Catholic Conference, and uh, we're discussing uh, basically the uh, kind of the concerns and problems with artificial reproductive technology. Two specific things that are involved in um, in reproductive technology might be the um, harvesting of eggs from a woman and the donation of sperm from a man. Um, could you just uh, enlighten our listeners as to why those are very serious ethical concerns, the egg harvesting and the sperm donation? Sure. Well, well at, the, at the very fundamental level, there are there are technological steps in separating the creation of life from the marital act. But even within, you know, so we think uh, grace builds upon nature, we can even observe within just the natural order harmful consequences that result. Um, uh, so egg harvesting, for example, technologically, like how it happens is a woman is, her system is essentially shocked with an overload of, of hormones that causes her ovary to release um, uh, a large number of eggs all at once, and that's how they're extracted from her body and so forth. And often, often not not always, but women, um, a lot of times it's women who need money. They're going to sell their eggs. Mm-hmm. The well-known documented cases of you know, college students, so on and so forth. But this this massive uh, amount of hormones, it's not without health risks. Um, and it's been associated with, uh, with cancer, with breast cancer. Um, and so it's like 
you know, even even without going right to the heart of the matter, the separation uh, from the marital act, we can see that it's manifesting itself in ways that are contrary to our health. Uh, with sperm donation, at the same time, you know, one of the a number of problems, just a few that we could mention, is there are men out there that are fathered hundreds, um, and I think some even approaching thousand uh, children. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have hundreds and hundreds of biological children. Um, and and we know that as these children grow, a lot of these kids just, um, you know, we all want to know where we came from. You know, we, like, have this innate desire to, like, know our identity. Mm-hmm. And so you just, you know, kind of, there's, a, there's like a restlessness of like, I'm a, I'm a numberless, my father didn't, my father didn't love me. Mm-hmm. My mother didn't care for me. I was just, uh, you know, a liquid in a cup. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, I, I could go on and on. And I guess one of the reasons that those specific aspects, technological aspects are mentioned is because those are a couple of things that are going to be addressed by uh, an expert uh, in this field that the South Dakota Catholic Conference is is bringing to your listeners in both Sioux Falls and in Rapid City in the coming weeks. Oh, excellent. Do, yeah. do, you, do you have any details for us, Chris, on that? I'd love to share. Yeah, so the, the woman's name is Jennifer Law. She's the president of the Center for Bioethics and Culture. She's a pediatric nurse, a bioethicist, and a filmmaker. She's going to be speaking at Our Lady of Perpetual Health Cathedral in Rapid City at 7 p.m. on September 9th. It's a Monday. Um, And she'll be speaking in Sioux Falls the following day at Holy Spirit Parish. It's at 7 p.m. September 10th. Um, And she's going to be speaking about these these issues uh, directly. She's a masterful storyteller. She's conducted many, many interviews with people that have been harmed by these practices. Um, so I'm really excited uh, to be to be bringing her. And um, those are open to the public, Chris? They're, they're open to the public. And Jennifer is really accustomed to speaking with both Catholic and non-Catholic audiences. So if you've got, you know, uh, a friend that's curious and open, it's, it's really open open to the public. It's It sounds like it's going to be a great program, and I think it would be wonderful if uh, a lot of non-Catholics would uh, attend, because we know that the uh, the information we get from the secular media about Catholic bioethics is, by and large, uh, misre- misrepresents what the t- Church teaches, uh, and sometimes you wonder if it's uh, deliberately done. But uh, I think it sounds, you know, we need to have these kind of conferences and we need people to attend them and so that they can find out what the church really teaches and the benefits of it. And so with with that, uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to close down this segment. But Chris, thank you very much. Uh, We could talk about this for a long time, but uh, the clock doesn't let us do that. And uh, up next... We're getting ready for the uh, 10-minute tour of local events. And later in the show, we will discuss if faith can have an effect on the outcomes of medicine with Dr. Paul Carson. And again, we're coming to you live from Rosewood on Broadway in Fargo, North Dakota. And this is Doreen and Jack Kennelly, and you're tuned in to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Real Presence Radio wants to honor our fathers. As Catholics, we see our priests as spiritual fathers. We have so many great priests in our listening area who model and guide us to a closer relationship with our Heavenly Father. Each week on Real Presence Live, we will honor our spiritual fathers with a dozen donuts donated by a local business to share with their staff. And of course, a good father would want to share. Let us know who you would like to honor. And each week, we will draw a name to share stories of great spiritual fathers. Visit yourcatholicradiostation.com to honor your father today. Broomtree Retreat Center near Irene, South Dakota will be offering an inner healing retreat October 11th through the 13th with Jane Bars and Mike Schneider of the Matthew Ministry. This retreat, which begins Friday evening and ends Sunday afternoon, offers hope and freedom to those seeking a way out of hurt and sorrow. For more information about the ministry, visit thematthewministry.com. To register for the retreat, call 605-263-1040 or register online at broom-tree.org. The Real Presence Radio Fall Live Drive is coming September 18th, 19th, and 20th. Tune in from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for an amazing lineup of hosts and guests that will inspire, motivate, and move you to evangelize the Catholic faith. Our goal is to raise $600,000, and we know we can do it with your faithful support. Mark your calendar and call in to Real Presence Radio, 877-795-0122. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation at the University of Mary. The University of Mary is ranked number one out of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And University of Mary scholarships give you your senior year free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation, University of Mary. Check us out at umary.edu slash nurses. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Jack Kennelly and my wife, Doreen are your hosts for today, and this segment of our show is our 10-minute tour of the listening area of Real Presence Radio, where we tell you about various events that are going on throughout uh, the listening area. And uh, if you are interested in uh, having one of your events featured on this segment of the show, uh, call into Real Presence Radio, and uh, we can get you on. And and, our, and we have Rita on the line from Hankinson, who's going to tell us about a women's retreat on the dignity and vocation of women. Rita? Yes, good morning. And I'm actually from Hillsboro, and the, the retreat will be in Hankinson. And um, as you said, its theme is the dignity and vocation of women. It's happening September 27th to the 29th. And so we start on Friday night at 7 p.m. and then all day Saturday and we'll conclude with Mass with the sisters at the Franciscan Convent at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning and then we'll have some closing sessions but we'll finish up by 10, 10.30 that morning. Um, we're excited to offer it to all women. Um, its cost is $120 and there is a slight discount if you happen to be a member of the Grand Fork area Catholic women and let's see 
If you want more information, the address for the Grand Forks Area Catholic Women is gfacwomen at gmail.com. And it's open to all women, single, married, divorced, and just looking for a good opportunity to have some balm for the soul at the end of summer. Just come and join us there. And I think you'll enjoy hearing our speaker coming from Minneapolis on the teachings of the Catholic Church. And time for reflection and time with other women. I hope to see you there. Looking forward to it. Okay, Thank great. Thank you, Rita. Uh, our next item is um, a Catholic Charismatic Renewal Retreat in Rochester, Minnesota. It will be a gathering at the Church of St. Pius X in Rochester the weekend of September 6th through the 8th for a Catholic Charismatic Renewal Retreat with Father Eduardo Gomez. The event includes lunch and dinner on Saturday as well as lunch on Sunday. The registration fee is just $40. There's no charge for religious or clergy who would like to attend. So if you're a priest, a sister, or a brother, you attend free. Childcare will also be provided at no extra cost. And this retreat is sponsored by the Lumen Christi Prayer Group. So again, that's a Catholic Charismatic Renewal Retreat in Rochester, Minnesota, September 6th through the 8th. And these retreats are just a wonderful opportunity for you to just take some time away for yourself to, to nurture your spiritual life and to learn more about uh, uh, your own spirituality. Uh, the next item is a K Knights of Columbus breakfast at St. Teresa Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. On the second Sunday of each month, St. Therese, or Therese, if you will, Church in Rapid City invites you to enjoy a wonderful pancake breakfast while helping support the children of the area. The Knights of Columbus Council 8025 serves up their famous pancakes from 8.30 a.m. until 10.30 a.m. This is a beautiful opportunity to gather with your friends in the community or to make some new friends and all proceeds go to local children's charities and it sounds like they've been doing this for a long time the KC's are always good at cooking pancakes burgers or whatever so take advantage of this enjoy a, a family breakfast with some of your friends at your parish our next uh, announcement we have for our next announcement we have Tim on the phone to talk to us about Dakota Hope's annual fundraising banquet and he's on the line there. Tim? Mm -hmm. Hi. 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 Thanks for calling in. Absolutely. Yes, Dakota Hope Banquet. It's our eighth annual banquet. We're here in Minot, North Dakota, and each year the banquet has just grown, grown, grown. This year we're expecting about 900 people. So we're having it out at the state fairgrounds on September 16th at the Monday night. Doors open at 6.30 and the banquet starts at 7. We have Trent Horn, the Catholic uh, apologist, that's going to be our speaker this year. And uh, he's going to be talking on persuasive pro-life. And so to RSVP, go to dakotahope.org and RSVP by September 2nd. And we'll make sure you got a seat. Trent Horn is an amazing apologist. I, we hear him on Catholic Answers often. And he not only knows how to answer listeners' questions, he answers with such integrity and with such charity. 
Um, Great. Yes. So that's that's very yeah. exciting. Yeah. yeah. And so you can call our number two at seven zero one eight five two four six seven five. And again, that's Dakota Hope Clinic in Minot, North Dakota. DakotaHope.org. You can RSVP there by September second. You could know, could you say just a, a little bit about Dakota Hope Clinic? What what kind of services do they offer, Tim? Yes, we're a pregnancy help center, so we do limited ultrasounds. We do uh, pregnancy tests. We also have Earn While You Learn, which is a uh, where they come in and the parents can uh, do parenting classes and they earn points to spend on our baby boutique um, and buy brand new baby items for their child. Oh, wonderful. It supports life. So... Uh, we encourage yes. all of you to attend on September 16th yeah. at the North Dakota State Fair yeah. Event Center. And if you're not from the Minot area immediately, it's worth the trip there just to hear Trent Horn. He's going to actually be on our show or, or on our radio program. Our next item, our next item, thank you again, Tim. I'm sorry, I'm kind of rushing a little bit here. Um, the Knights of Columbus, I think it's Posti Sale in Superior. We've got Daryl on the phone. I'm sorry, Daryl. Go ahead. Uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. It's our uh, pasty sale. We make them three times a year, and we'll be making them on September 13th and 14th. Um, come in and stop by and pick them up between noon and 4 o'clock at St. Anthony's Catholic Church experience. What and, are uh, pasties? Pasty is a pastry. It's about, it's about a 12 ounce with a pastry shell that's filled with ground beef. Potatoes, onions, what are they using carrots? I suppose if you were in Poland, they might call it a pierogi. <laughs> it's somewhat similar to that, yeah, it is. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're very good, though, and uh, we make about 1,200 of them. We used to sell them all, too. They're $4 a piece. So, uh, if anybody wants to call, you know, to order some, uh, my number is 218 so they can order in advance and pick up that Saturday, Friday or Saturday, is that correct? That's correct. Order in advance and pick up on either Friday or Saturday, the 13th and 14th, between 12 noon and 4 p.m. Okay. And okay. Now, um, is there an option to eat them there? Do, are you serving, is it a, a dinner? No, no, okay. No, they'll be all fresh out of the Right. Yes. Could you give the number one more time for us, Daryl? It's, it's my number. I'm Daryl. It's 218-349-9165. If I don't answer, leave a message with us, and you know, we'll make sure we get the order in. Yes, and that's at St. Anthony Church in Superior, Wisconsin. That is correct. The address is 4315 Okay, thank you. Thank you, Daryl. <laughs> well, 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 that that wraps up today's 10-minute tour. We feature this every Real Presence Live. If you'd like to have your event featured, please call Brandon at 877-795-0122, and we'd be very happy to feature it. Again, the number is 877 877- Seven nine five zero one two two, and you can have your event broadcast all over the Real Presence Radio listening area, and we'd be happy to do it for you. Coming up next, the proof of of the way medicine and our spiritual lives work together for healing with Dr. Paul Carson. 
We're coming to you live from Rosewood on Broadway in Fargo, North Dakota. This is Doreen and my husband Jack Canelli, and you're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. Built Upon a Rock Fest has partnered with Rugged Rosaries for another giveaway. Nine rosaries will be given away, one each week, leading up to the concert on September 14th. These rosaries are beautiful and extremely rugged. The quality is unmatched. For a chance to win, simply like Built Upon a Rock Fest posts on Facebook and Instagram. Each like gets you a chance to win. Full giveaway details can be found at builtuponarockfest.com. Good luck, and don't forget to mark your calendars for Built Upon a Rock Fest on September 14th. The Real Presence Radio Fall Live Drive is coming September 18th, 19th, and 20th. Tune in from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for an amazing lineup of hosts and guests that will inspire, motivate, and move you to evangelize the Catholic faith. Our goal is to raise $600,000, and we know we can do it with your faithful support. Mark your calendar and call in to Real Presence Radio, 877-795-0122. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Event Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're back again with Jack and Doreen Canelli for the last segment of Real Presence Live. And I'm really excited about our guest uh, for this remainder of the of the program. It's Dr. Paul Carson who is a specialist in infectious diseases uh, uh, with uh, Sanford uh, in Fargo, as well as uh, teaching in the uh, Department of Public Health at NDSU. And he's got many other credentials, but we don't really have the time because he's got an important topic to talk about, a very interesting topic, and we really want to kind of just jump right into it. So, Dr. Carson, welcome. Good morning, Jack and Doreen. Pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you for being on. Yeah, thanks for being on. I'm re- I'm really excited about this. You know, uh, I've heard you a number of times before, and uh, you know, talking about this strong connection between spirituality and health. And I guess the first question to just kind of kick things off is, uh, uh, you know, you're a specialist in d- infectious diseases. How did uh, what prompted your interest in uh, this topic of spirituality and health? Yeah, well, it's uh, really 
kind of increased a lot for me in the last few years. But I, I really um, first started getting interested in, in this early in my career as a physician where I just personally was struggling with trying to figure out how to integrate my own faith into my practice, uh, kind of questions about if and how and when to engage in spiritual matters for my patients who were really seeing me primarily for physical problems, in fact, primarily for serious infectious diseases. And, you know, I was kind of questioning what, if anything, um, was the nature of how I might be looking at spiritual matters, uh, which were important to me personally, but uh, should they pertain to my practice? And I was, uh, you know, working through things like how to open that conversation up in the first place and when and how and where I would consider ever praying, you know, for or a little more scary with patients. And it was through a very powerful encounter very early in my practice uh, where I witnessed how strong a resource both prayer and spiritual engagement could be for uh, one of my patients. I was... um, in a practice with other infectious disease specialists and was cross-covering one of my partners who also liked to maintain a general medical practice. And when we had to cross-cover him, it was a little bit uncomfortable for us specialists having to go back to kind of more general medicine. Um, But we we did that uh, since uh, we needed to cover his uh, patients when he'd go on vacation. And I remember very um, clearly one patient, uh, again, in my first year of practice, who I was seeing for him, and she was a woman who was just coming in for a regular uh, medical checkup, and I had a 15-minute visit scheduled with her just to kind of review her blood pressure and borderline diabetes care. And I got in the room, and she looked very uh, down and very flat and proceeded to tell me that she was uh, struggling with very major depression, um, that her mother had committed suicide in the past, her sister had committed suicide in the past, she had attempted suicide in the past and was very intent on wanting to commit suicide now. And so I, you know, took a deep breath and looked at my watch and said, okay, I've got about uh, um, 12 minutes left in the visit here scheduled. And this is, you know, a very uh, challenging problem that wasn't something I was used to dealing with anymore in my infectious disease practice. And so, you know, I reviewed a little bit of her depression history and I reviewed, um, uh, you know, kind of what was going on there. And she was very insistent on on not going to see the psychiatrist who her psychiatrist was out of town, so she would have had to see somebody else covering uh, him and uh, was uh, quite unwilling to consider being put in the hospital for this bout of depression. And so I was really at my wit's end as to what to do. I was trying to remember kind of things like how you involuntarily commit someone for depression when they're, they're potentially uh, life is at risk. So I, I just started praying to myself. I just started asking for God's help as to what to do uh, with this patient. I, I had very minimal time to try and contend with a pretty serious problem. And I, I had a very insistent uh, um, thought that I should pray with her, ask her to pray with her. Well, I had never done that with patients before. I was not comfortable with that idea of doing that, but this was um, something that I really felt quite pressing on me in my throwing up uh, you know, prayer to God to help. And um, even though I quickly was bargaining in my mind how to get out of that because I was not comfortable with that idea, I, I just put out to her, you know, asking her the question if she had any faith background and she told me she was Catholic, but had not been practicing for a long time and had been really kind of away from God. And I asked her if I could 
if it would be okay if I prayed with her. And she looked a bit surprised but agreed, and I sort of fumbled through some, I'm sure, very non-eloquent prayer uh, with her. And she started crying and um, and became very emotional and you know, came out of that prayer thanking me profusely because she said she'd really been away from God for a long time and and at that moment felt very convicted to try and get back into the church and get back uh, into a relationship with God. And um, as we talked a bit more, she said she was not wanting to end her life, not wanting to commit suicide. And um, I was still very, very concerned about letting her out of the office without any further management, and I asked her if she would be willing to see my pastor, and, and she did um, that next day. And I saw her a few days later, and she was in a much better place. And, and she called me several times over the course of that year thanking me for that prayer and for kind of connecting her back with her faith. So I saw in this one example a, a, a very striking uh, uh you know, episode of one, the power of prayer that I had not been in the habit of doing in my own practice, and two, how her engagement in in reconnecting with her spiritual life became a tremendous resource for her to contend with her very serious problem of depression. Now, fast forward to just a couple of years ago, I, I moved most of my work here at North Dakota State University where I teach and do research in the School of Public Health. And I, I frequently attend a seminar on campus that uh, focuses on matters pertaining to kind of the intersection of religion and science. And this uh, monthly seminar during the school year uh, was begun and kind of hosted by a couple of people who were very active in the Red River Freethinker Society here in Fargo, which is an atheist organization in town. And they, they wanted to host... Uh, a sort of um, collegial discussion about matters of uh, religion and science and where there's controversy or not from all sides. And I, I remember attending one of those seminars, and I don't even remember what the talk was about, but I remember one of, the, one of my colleague college professors got up after this talk and made a statement um, that they thought children raised in a religious home were, in their opinion, were likely to have a distinct disadvantage for their mental health and well-being since they were likely taught to, you know, perseverate about such things as sin and divine punishment and eternal damnation, etc. And I remember thinking that, boy, this colleague's experience of religious people sure didn't seem to jive with my experience of religious people and, and who, you know, for the most part, uh, my friends in my faith community, uh, I thought, flourished a lot better than most other people. But it made me wonder if there was any actual research out there that suggested religious people tend to do any better or worse compared to non-religious people. And so I ended up diving into that medical literature, and, uh, and I found, what I found there really kind of astounded me. So that's a long-winded answer to how I got interested in this. Well, yes, very interesting. I I I like your 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 mention of the you know your your introduction uh, probably could have fit well with our having Deacon Jim Hunt here uh, talking about the the value of pastoral care in in our nursing homes. Yeah. Well, well, you know I, I would imagine though when uh, you started diving into the literature. Yeah, you needed to have some data that you could bring to your colleagues in order to uh, show, demonstrate to them that there, there's actually some science behind this. Right, right. So first, I wanted to just kind of learn about this more for myself, and then 
I, you know, I'm always sort of in teacher mode. I've been, you know, a teacher uh, my entire career for medical students and residents and now formally at North Dakota State University. So I, I started looking into this. And what I found was really, especially over the last two decades, I would say, there's been an explosion of interest in research around the effects of uh, spirituality or religiosity, and we can get into how you define that, but um, uh, but the effects of that on both physical and mental health. And what I found uh, is that the overwhelming consensus of the research is that people who have um, either what we call intrinsic religi- religiosity, meaning they've really a- adopted this as part of their identity and engage in it in a meaningful way, or even more so, people who um, actively practice in some faith community. Um, that, that's usually uh, how religiosity is defined, that they, they have some outward manifestation, that they are engaged in the practice of their faith. And that's typically measured by something like at least weekly church attendance. That when you look at those couple of measures of intrinsic religiosity or regular practice in a faith community, um, those people are pretty much substantially better off in almost every measure you look at. Um, you can look at uh, a plethora of health outcomes, anxiety, depression, ability to cope with uh, major trauma or stress, self-esteem, hope, overall happiness, marital stability, delinquency and crime, overcoming substance abuse, lowered suicide risk, and then even moving into like physical health, like control of high blood pressure, control of diabetes, prevention of cardiovascular disease, even how well someone with Alzheimer's disease functions cognitively, um, all of those are substantially better in almost uh, the vast majority of studies that look at this if you are religiously engaged compared to people that are not. And then the sort of big, uh, you know, kind of kahuna that we look at in public health is, is mortality. And what you find is that, um, uh, there, that in most of the really well-designed studies, um, something we call prospective cohort studies. These are the best, highest quality research studies that can be done in this kind of area. The average mortality reduction um, in, in people who are religiously engaged or active is about 37% compared to those that uh, do not. Now, that's a huge benefit. I mean, there are, we don't come close to that kind of mortality benefit with common things that we do, like trying to control your cholesterol or control your blood pressure or good control of your diabetes, you know, that's a tremendous uh, effect size. Um, yet, you know, who, uh, whoever is asked about their religious engagement when they go to the doctor? And in fact, this mortality benefit, uh, when you translate that out, um, adds on average about seven years greater lifespan um, in those who are more religiously engaged than those who are not. So again, in public health terms, that's an enormous gain. Um, I will have to say, uh, in sort of full disclosure of the science, uh, there is one area of health where religious people tend to be a bit worse off than their non-religious counterparts, and that is, uh, unfortunately, with obesity. Uh, religious people tend to be a bit more obese than their non-religious counterparts in several studies, and maybe that's a few too many donuts after mass in the social. <laughs> Should switch to eggs. <laughs> yeah, you probably heard that we uh, were giving a dozen donuts to a priest in South Dakota <laughs> earlier today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a 
know. Okay, that. I'm going to have to just interrupt for just a second. I want to remind our listeners the, that uh, they're tuned in to Real Presence Live and uh, your hosts, uh, Jack and Doreen Canelli, and uh, our guest is Dr. Paul Carson, and he's talking about the effects of uh, how spirituality can affect uh, uh, medical outcomes. And so with that, uh, Dr. Carson, I'll bring it back to you. Right. So I think, you know, one of the next questions uh, that frequently comes up, certainly in if, if you're talking to a medical audience or a research or academic audience, is, well, why is this? Why does it look like people who are more engaged in a spiritual life or uh, uh, religious practice uh, tend to be healthier? And um, there's a number of different ideas, you know, short of a supernatural explanation, there are a number of other um, uh, things that are looked at to try and help explain this. And so we, we know that often in the religiously active person, um, they tend to often have healthier habits, except for maybe with, with the eating that we talked about, but less smoking, less alcohol and substance use, less promiscuous sex. Uh, so healthier habits certainly can confer benefit. Social connectedness, um, we know from other studies that people who have richer social connections in family and friends and, and people involved in their life tend to do better. Um, we also know that people who have greater meaning and purpose in their life, and there are actually validated measures of this um, that look at you know how much meaning and purpose do you have in your life tends to confer significant health benefits. Capacity for forgiveness. Um, uh, people who are more forgiving tend to be healthier. People who can make sense out of suffering tend to do better. And even um, things like virtues, um, like gratitude and humility, also other attributes like hopefulness, all of these have been shown to confer health benefits. And it's probably not a big jump or probably not very hard to see that there are maybe not very many things that come close to packaging all of those kind of attributes together like the religious life. Um, but that said, uh, there are a few studies that have tried to tease apart which of these attributes is most predictive of health. And interestingly, it's actually religious practice. Um, the, the sort of one that stands out the strongest is um, if people are regularly practicing in some kind of faith community. So, you know, it's one thing to say, I'm a spiritual person. Um, and, you know, I have these sort of uh, attributes or whatever, it's quite another to have your faith be such a part of your life that you, on a Sunday morning, forego sleeping in or watching sports or whatever else you might feel like doing, and you go to a communal house of worship. And that probably is evidence that you have at least some substantial, measurable commitment to your spiritual life. Um, and so it, it's not really clear why that uh, confers these benefits, but I think, you know, for those of us who think about this maybe philosophically, if we, if we really believe that we are um, a mind, you know, we, we have a mind, spirit, and body uh, together, that if you are sort of taking care of all three of those things, you're much more likely to flourish and do well than if you're only kind of hitting on one or two of those. Um, so, uh, um, I, you know, I do think it, it, the, these attributes you know, can be seen in people who aren't necessarily religious, but to have that whole package, there are very few things that sort of put that all together and, you know, ask of us to be forgiving, ask of us to uh, try and practice humility, ask of us to be grateful, um, gives us a definite meaning and purpose in life, um, and then often confers those benefits of social connectedness. 
I mean, there's very few things that are going to come close to the religious life um, than than um, uh, other areas. I guess it shows how uh, complex we are and how fully integrated we are in all aspects of ourselves, of our persons. And how God knows how he created us. Yeah. And that when we respond to the way in which we've been created... Exactly. It benefits yeah. us. Well, so what does this mean to you as a physician when it comes to patient encounters or just to people who are engaged in the in the healthcare system? Right. Uh, you know, I, this is a question I've been asking myself a lot lately, and, and I've, I'm, a, I'm a frequent invited speaker to medical conferences on various topics of infectious diseases, but recently I've told them, you know, I want to talk to you about this, and uh so I, I've got an upcoming talk with the North Dakota Academy of Family Physicians on this topic, and we'll kind of see how interested my physician colleagues are. But uh, when you look at most of our patients uh, in, in uh, big surveys like the Gallup survey in, in the United States, most of our patients and most of the population has some belief in God. And then when you ask further, um, many say that they really would like their physicians to address this aspect of their lives. Um, especially when they're in a health crisis. And, in fact, a substantial minority of patients in surveys said that they would really like it if their physician would pray with them, especially if they're in near-death scenarios. Yet if you survey physicians, um, they will typically say that they intellectually agree with the idea that they should address their patients' spiritual concerns. Most will say, yeah, that's a good idea and that's important, but as a matter of practice, it's almost never done. Very, very few do this. Uh, in fact, I will tell you, when I went through medical school, we were taught how to take a spiritual history as part of the social history on our patients, and then I would say promptly after graduating from medical school, almost no one did it. Um, so, you know, what does this mean in practice? Well, you know, we, we may not be able to prescribe religion, and nor should we, um, but we need to do a better job of taking a spiritual history on our patients and at the very least, I think, encouraging and helping them to engage their spiritual resources as a means to better health. Um, as, as in the example of the woman I, I you know, mentioned at the beginning of our, our discussion, um, you know, she, she had a faith history, she had a belief in God, but was really disconnected from it for many years, and saw how drawing upon that resource again could be a means for her to manage and cope with her, her problems of depression. I also think we need to examine this more closely from a public health perspective. So when we see effect sizes as large as we do with religious practice and health, really surpassing many of our other types of clinical and public health interventions, I think we need to be doing a better job of asking how can public health encourage faith communities and religious participations? I mean, as, as opposed to the, what we, I think, more closely see, which is like, leave that to the privacy of your own home, or better yet, keep it out of the public space uh, and out of healthcare. because like, like the NDSU colleague I had, some you know, goofy mistaken notion that it's bad for you. Um, yeah. uh, do you have a question, Jack? Uh, well, we've got about one minute be, uh, before we're finished. I did have a quick one. Do you think that the, uh, as this evidence, uh, the statistical data you know, shows this uh, correlation between, you know, good outcomes, do you think that would ever be seriously presented in medical schools and medical training? I do. Uh, I do. And, in fact, it's, it's certainly gaining greater attention in, in 
major uh, peer-reviewed medical journals. Um, Harvard has a high-profile um, uh, professor there to, that is now in charge of an institute of human flourishing where he is very interested in this particular question about faith communities and religion as a means to human flourishing. So I think it is uh, kind of prime time for uh, bringing this into greater light and, uh, and in teaching in our schools and in our medical training. Well, I, I hope we see it, and uh, I, I wish we had some more time. I think this is a fascinating uh, topic and subject, and uh, we're only getting kind of the uh, the mile-high view of things. It'd be fun to get into it deeper, but again, the clock is not our friend, and it's time for us to uh, uh, call this segment to a close, and we'll call on, uh, on Aaron for his producer's preview, and Dr. Carson, Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to visit with us today. It's It's been great. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Dr. Carson. Bye. Aaron, it's your turn. Very good. Thank you very much, Jack. It has been a pleasure uh, being with you guys today and hearing so many great interviews. It's just absolutely amazing. Coming up on the next Real Presence Live, we're coming to you with the best of Real Presence Live since we're going to be, um, we'll be out of the office on Labor Day. But you won't want to miss Dr. Matthew Stanley talking about finding peace during the stressful seasons of farm life and rural life. He's from Avera Health in Sioux Falls. He'll be talking more about that. We'll also have Father Tim's, uh, excuse me, Father... We have one of our fathers during Straight Talk who will be... He knows who he is. Yeah, he knows who he is, absolutely. We're, we won't be taking live calls, but you'll want to tune in. It's going to be great. We're going to have, actually, Father Tim Smith for Straight Talk. There we go. And we'll that's, also... That's a hard name to remember. Right? <laughs> right? We'll also have Jerry Hilfer here talking about the beauty of the profession of teachers. And we'll also have a couple of keynote speakers from the Thirst Conference coming up. And we'll also have Catherine Hadro. She'll be talking about her upcoming appearance in North Dakota on September 29th. All of this coming up here on Real Presence Live. Jack and Doreen, back to okay. you. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Aaron. It looks like there's a lot to look forward to. And uh, we certainly encourage all of our listeners uh, to Tune in uh, every morning, uh, Monday through Friday, for Real Presence Live. And we uh, also encourage you to um, seriously consider taking part in all the things that have been talked about today on this show, especially in our 10-minute tour. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and if you want to be a really daring listener, you can encourage your non-Catholic friends to tune in to Catholic Radio in general and Real Presence Live specifically, particularly the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the segment where you get to ask your questions of one of our priests. Yeah, bribe them with a donut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. After what we learned today, maybe not. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we hope to... Uh, happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. There you go. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. 
Get the podcast anytime of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.